When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to your post-game orange and brown talk. The Browns, 30 to 28 losers to the Los Angeles Chargers. Doug Maurice, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Ashley Bastock, and Irie Harris. The Browns, Mary Kay, now have a one-point loss, a two-point loss, and a three-point loss this season. Is there something wrong with this team? Do, do they not know how to win? Do they do they find ways to be close but not get over the top? They're two and three. There are 11 two and three teams in the NFL. A third of the league is two and three. Lots of teams are in this spot. I was actually going to like write a column that was like, hey, at least the Browns are the best two and three team in the league. They're actually not that because there are probably some better teams that are two and three. Being two and three is not the end of the world, Mary Kay. But it feels like they're leaking a little bit. Like, what is there a fundamental problem here that that unites these three very close losses? Well, I think there are a couple of things. First of all, they definitely have sprung a leak in their run defense the last two weeks. And I really think that that has a lot to do with these last two losses. Uh, on top of that, I just got done writing a, you know, a whole breakdown of, of Jacoby Brissett, and he has thrown three interceptions very late in games within the last three minutes with an opportunity to either win or tie the game at the very end with just a field goal. And in each one of those situations, he's thrown a late game interception. You cannot have that. It is the last thing that you can do in any of these situations. And, you know, again, in, in all of them, all you just needed to do was, you know, get a couple of extra yards, maybe, you know, five yards, 10 yards, whatever, and kick the field goal and you'd be good to go. So, uh, you know, I finished that Jacoby story by saying it, you know, it's a reminder that he is the backup quarterback. Deshaun's coming back into the building tomorrow. This is a reminder that it's not Deshaun Watson versus Justin Herbert. It's Jacoby Brissett versus Justin Herbert. It's not perfect. And some of the mistakes are rearing their ugly head. We do also have to say that just kicking the field goal is also not where the Browns are right now. They are not just kicking the field goal, but Jacoby Brissett is taking them out of opportunities. But Dan, I think many people would say, and I think you you would be one of them. It's remarkable, by the way. He played the exact same game on Sunday that he played last week. <laughs> last week, he was 21 of 35 for 234. Sunday, he was 21 of 34 for 230. And he had a, a killer pick at the end of both games. He... He's an algorithm. Brandon Staley is coaching by an algorithm. You may as well have a robot on the sideline. 
he is a backup quarterback robot at this point. You know exactly what he is programmed to do, but damn, when you ask him to do more, I think Mary Kay is right here. I don't know that anyone can be surprised that at the end of all three of these losses, he has thrown a killer pick because they have been in a situation where they've put the game on Jacoby Brissett to go win. And that's not what he's been programmed to be. Right. And he is the backup quarterback. He's not the starter. I mean, that's why this discussion is different than like the Baker Mayfield discussion when he was always throwing picks and not winning games in the end. It's like, well, yeah, we're talking about Baker as a potential franchise quarterback. We know Jacoby's the backup. You know, that said, Doug, you said something in your intro that I thought was interesting when you, you said you were thinking about writing a column that the Browns are the best two and three team in the NFL. And again, I, I don't know if they are or not, but I feel like we have this discussion every single year with the Browns, like eh, their records disappointing, but they're the best team in the NFL with that record. Mm. And I just like, at some point, whether you got a backup quarterback in there or not, and whether you're losing by six points over in five games or 60 points in five games, Winning matters. Like winning has to matter. And the Browns aren't winning right now. They're they're two and three. I mean, I, I don't know. I just watched the New York Giants today go to London and beat the Green 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 Bay Packers with Daniel Jones. And they're like four and one. And the Dallas Cowboys have Cooper Rush. And they just won again today. And I think if you asked anybody who's a better coach, Mike McCarthy or Kevin Stefanski, at least, you know, football Twitter would say, well, we want Kevin Stefanski because he's the smart guy. You you got to win. Like, you can't make excuses. You can't say, well, Jacoby's this and whatever. Like, you just have to go win these games. And th- this game felt like we've made the joke that the Browns and Chargers are just the Spider-Man meme, just two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. And that's sort of how this game played out. Like, neither team really seem to want to win this game and it's just the Browns are the team that made the mistake at the end and lost it. And it is a reminder, of course, they're going to be different when Deshaun Watson plays. Of course, of course, of course, of course. But they had kind of everybody else back and the Chargers didn't have Rashawn Slater. They didn't have Joey Bosa. They didn't have Keenan Allen. You know, everybody plays without their dude sometimes. Let's stay on Jacoby Brissett. I re like I don't know. Is this is this just what the bargain is? with Jacoby and so so nobody should be upset or is there the other side of, of Jacoby Brissett is hey I thought this guy didn't make mistakes and he's thrown three killer picks in three losses is can you point a finger even though he's a backup quarterback and say dude what are you doing here be better in the moment yeah I mean he is I, I think that these these three picks have just been reminders that he is still the backup quarterback at the end of the day, and I'm saying this as as we like to say, or even like we talked about last week, Jacoby Brissett's best man, somebody that will be efficient, terrific throughout the first 30, you know, 38, 40 minutes of the game, but then somewhere there's just like a little bit of a downs or and it usually happens, especially within the last two to three minutes of the game. So regarding pointing fingers, not only do you have to point to him because he's the backup of as we would think in our regular mindsets, be playing up to the one and standard of a starting quarterback, uh, but also to whoever else you would think would put him in this position. Because the one thing that we knew when, when he came here was that he is not the type of quarterback that's built for these moments. As much as we hope and wish, he just hasn't shown any of that recently. And that's the thing. It's not, 
of course this is happening. It's not coincidental. No. He, when he's forced to make a play, when when people when opponents know he's throwing, when he's got to try to do something down the field, when it's winning time, that's when he's falling short. And that is not coincidental. It's when he is under stress, not even of like the pass rush, but stress of the moment. It's winning time for a quarterback. That's not what he's set up to do. So the result, Ashley, is that the Browns have to stop making that happen. They were up 14-0 in this game. Right. They have to be in the put the game away with the run, you know, with the lead with the run game mode. But whenever I think actually for the 11 games that Jacoby Brissett is the starter, any time that they are in the back half of the fourth quarter and they are behind or tied and it is time for Jacoby Brissett to go win them the game, they're going to be in big trouble. They have to avoid that sequence. And when they went up 14 nothing on Sunday, you thought, oh, they're going to do that. And then no. They give it right back. So there's a lot of things that, you know, other the other problems with this team are putting Jacoby Brissett in a position to fail. I just keep thinking about the conversation we had over and over again on this podcast in the offseason that was basically this premise of Jacoby Brissett is a good backup quarterback. But what you're saying, Doug, he's not going to win you any games. So what did we say? He just has to kind of maintain and not turn the ball over. And you essentially need this run game, this offensive line, this defense, and the main um, pass game weapons to go out and win you this game. And it's just not happening right now. And I know, I think, you know, Dan, you said at some point this week, like the one thing we love about Jadavian Clowney is he's a guy who gets up there and is honest. And he kind of said today what I've been thinking, which is they have all these names on paper that these things shouldn't be happening, especially the the defensive issues and these breakdowns in the run game and these breakdowns in the secondary. They have enough talent on paper that they shouldn't be happening, but they are. So now like it's up to everybody to figure out why and how you can get this to gel together because it's just the the case right now. Again, on paper, we thought this was going to be maybe one of the best defenses in the league, and it's just not that. So I keep coming back to that. You can't rely on Jacoby Brissett to be too, do too much to win you the game, and that was never our expectation, I don't think. All right, very quick break. When we come back, I just want to ask very quickly, did we collectively at Cleveland.com already ruin the career of a Browns player? Next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Okay, so I think we have to be ready to take this as our fault. And I think we were reflecting a general view of the fans, Mary Kay. But Cade York blew it on Sunday. And he got a whole bunch of credit in week one when he won it. He blew it. And not just on the last field goal. He missed a 45-yarder earlier in the game that would have helped them avoid that position. And he's missing them. He's leaking to the right, right? Like, he keeps pushing them. Prefer says, oh, he pushed it. How about you fix it, special teams coach guy? How about you fix the brilliant rookie kicker who keeps missing the same way? Mary, I I swear, didn't we get some blowback from fans? Like, what are you doing? You're anointing this guy, the king of Cleveland, after one week. And we're like, ah, it's fine. Mary mm-hmm. Kay, did we curse Cade York? You know what? It wasn't just us. I mean, the legend of Cade York began in training camp and it just grew and mushroomed. And, you know, we had him 
you know, he got a key to the city by the mayor of Cleveland. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't think it was just Cleveland.com. We contributed in a big way. We've talked about these 70-yard field goals that we see in warm-ups. I saw like a 60-something uh, in warm-ups today. I'm sure uh, that Dan and Ashley probably did too. We, you know, we see these. Um, so for him to miss these two field goals, it's such a huge concern. Uh, I mean, they're long, but, you know, he's got the length to be able to do that. And the the larger concern, I think, is the fact that this was really nice, mild weather. I mean, this was at the closed end. Uh, this was not, you know, November winds whipping off the lake. This was not a football that feels like a brick. This was not, you know, icy, snowy, windy. This was a nice football day. Uh, so I, I think it is a concern and, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, he, th- he felt like he hit it really well and it was going straight and it just, uh, you know, it just veered off to the right a little bit, but, um, yeah, it's, it's something to, to have to worry about. And, you know, Dan, we're not in the position of like, oh, <laughs> well, if it wasn't for the rookie kicker missing a 54 yarder at the end, they would have won. Right. I mean, I, it, that's not exactly where it starts. And I know you said that right off the bat with your with your your post game tweet of your post game column but it also kind of is a problem and it also Dan is a very clear reminder of how close they are to 1 and 4 cuz this guy's missed a bunch of kicks since the opener and if he didn't make a 58 yarder in his first career NFL game they would be 1 and 4 Dan mm-hmm. they're on a razor's edge here yeah and and i mean this is sort of i don't know i, I guess this is sort of life when you're relying on a rookie kicker i, I mean I don't remember exactly what week it was last year, but there was a week when Evan McPherson missed like three kicks against the Packers and, and the Bengals lost that game. Um, and then he like didn't miss again the rest of the year. But, it, you know, if you're going to rely on a rookie kicker, sometimes things like this are going to happen, especially early in the season. And I think that's why it's completely fair to blame, to put blame on Cade York for this loss, but to solely blame Cade York I think masks say this is sort of like the fourth down call last week when, when they went for it on that first drive, that's fine. If you want to talk about it and and criticize it and ask if it was the right call. But I feel like the criticism of that call masked a lot of the issues in that game. And I feel like if we're going to sit here and say, well, Kate York, you're the reason the Browns lost that, that kind of masks some of the issues that again, a week later reared their head. So this is just life with a rookie kicker. I hate to chalk it up to something that simple, but that's that's honestly what I believe this is. I, I, I still have confidence in Katie York, despite Ashley's best efforts to curse him. Let's oh, oh so we're blaming I, Ashley? Oh, good. I have to jump to in on this before <laughs> I'm Doug. I don't need you to transition between Dan and I. But um, <laughs> I, you know, I was I've been sitting here thinking, Doug, when you asked the question, like, I actually think that we not like to put too many feathers in our caps. And obviously, I wrote that big story on Cade York, but kind of like the whole premise of that story and the whole premise of our conversations around him were like, yeah, this guy's really good. And like, here's what people are saying about him. But like, we've always kind of tried to temper expectations, right? And like, obviously that doesn't happen when he makes a 58 game winner. Cause like, what are we going to say? Like he made this 58 game winner, but he might miss the next one. Like, obviously he might mix the next one. And when I talked to Cade for that big story, you know, at the very top of the story, 
is this quote from him that I think about all the time whenever he has a miss. And he said, I may not, I might not make every kick, but I'm always think I'm going to make the next one, or I might miss a kick, but I always think I'm going to make the next one. And I think that kind of just sums up his philosophy as a kicker. And I think we came into this season understanding like, look, this kid is a rookie. He's 21 years old. He's been playing football competitively for six years. He didn't start playing until he was a sophomore in high school. He was this all state soccer player before then. Um, and also at LSU, when he first got there, he had kind of a rough ish start that his freshman year was the year they won the national title, but he missed a handful of field goals. And I remember, you know, going back researching and finding all these articles from, Oh, it's Cade York. The guy is LSU going to stick with him. Obviously they did. And he became one of the best kickers in program history. So Kind of along what Dan is saying, like, I don't think anyone has really lost confidence in him, but this is still a young kid who has to learn how to kick in the NFL. And the weather is going to be a big part of it. The weather wasn't really a factor today, but I do kind of think this is just part of the experience. And you kind of have to rely on the fact that the guy up until this point has shown that he knows how to prep. He knows how to look at his own technique and change things. And it's kind of up to the Browns to try and, you know, help move that along, like you're saying, Doug, and whatever Mike Prefer has to do and Kate's personal kicking coach, whatever he has to do, they got to get this figured out. But I'm confident that from everything that we heard today that the Browns think he can do that, that he thinks he can do that. That's a nice quote. It was wrong today because he he missed his first kick and then he thought, but, I think I'm going to make the next kick. And then he, he also missed it. It was so wrong, it but I did think it was interesting to hear him say, you know, he had never been in a situation where he missed two field goals before. So he wasn't like in this mental state of, you know, almost like getting the yips of, oh, maybe I'm going to miss this one too. So that was interesting to me. I don't know if that makes your point better or worse, but it, it was interesting here. This was kind of like a first time situation for him in a lot of ways and experiencing that. It's it's very interesting. This is kind of the deal when you when you draft a kicker high, right? Not that anybody, if he'd been, if he was some free agent, if he was, I mean, because I want to be fair, if Chase, if this was Chase, Chase McLaughlin and he missed these two field goals today, I'd be crushing him. So I don't want to not crush the guy whose job it is to make field goals when he's over two on field goals. Again, the last one's long. I get it. But I think part of it's a rookie, but part of it's also that he's a high draft pick and we know they're not getting rid of him and they shouldn't. I mean, you don't can't cut your kicker just because they missed a couple field goals. But I just want to make sure that we're fairly crushing people when the Browns lose, right? Isn't that the most important thing about this podcast is to crush people fairly? All right. We're going to we're saving all the what's up with the defense and is it a huge problem? That's going to be at the end. We do have to deal with is Brandon Staley losing his mind. Irie, when you saw the Chargers go for it on fourth and one and three quarters yards or whatever that was at the end of the game, did you think to yourself, my, what a what a what a genius way of using the algorithm? Or did you think Brandon Staley was nuts for going for it? I didn't know at that point. My mind was everywhere at once thinking. Uh, I, honestly, I was still, in a sense, recovering from Brissett having five open yards to, to rush for and then just him throwing it off. So I was still kind of recovering from that. And then I see, oh, the Chargers are in a four-down situation. Or do they go for it? Do they not? Oh, my God, they're going for it? Okay, then. And uh, the Browns defense actually showed up on that play. So a sense of blaming on analytics or – and also that sort, I'm not sure, but the Browns, for once, actually got it done on that play. So, 
Was the mood in the press box? I mean, you know, there's chatter in the press box where people like, oh, my, what an interesting decision by Brandon Staley. Or were people screaming, what is he doing? What was the vibe in the press box, folks? There was really not a vibe in the press box over that. I think it just uh, it was kind of quiet at that moment. And, you know, at that point, we're all scrambling to try to get our zero stories done, which we talk about a lot. Uh, so, you know, for us, it's just trying to survive at that time, at that point. Uh, so I don't I don't remember any chatter about that at all. Really? I was screaming, what is he doing? But I was home. Um, the the numbers, the 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 beep bop boop. This is this is what he has done, by the way. I love analytics. I love using math to win football games. But I just beep bop booped his decision. Uh, you are a computer. Be a robot. Like, th- that's what he's done. Because, Dan, it's insane. You have to punt and make Jacoby Brissett march 80 yards to get in field goal range. The Browns, after they got the ball back there, I think they ran five offensive plays. Jacoby Brissett was one for four. They did one. They ran Kareem Hunt for like no yards. They had one functional offensive play that got Amari Cooper, uh, passed Amari Cooper for 10 yards that made it from a mid 60s to a mid 50s field goal. And that's it. You had zero faith that Jacoby Brissett and this Browns offense was going to march down the field to do that, Dan. It's terrible situational football, and it almost cost Brandon Staley a sure win. We have to crush him for this. Again, that's what we're here to do. We're here to (laughs) crush people fairly. I don't care what the beep, bop, boop computer says. You have to play the situation. The situation is make Jacoby Brissett and this offense do it. Yes? Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes, I with no timeout. I'm I want Jacoby Bissett to have the football inside the 20 yard line with no timeouts instead of having the football at the 45 yard line and needing five to 10 yards to try a game winning field goal. And listen, I think that decision was so bad. It's like and I love fourth down aggression. I defended Kevin Stefanski last week. I I think Kevin going for it in his own territory today was the right call. It was just a bad play call. This was like, hey, Brandon, we lost this game. Go to your parents' house and hang out there because you're not flying back with the team. I I mean, I honestly think it was that egregious of a decision, and he just got away with it. I I have to – I'm sorry. I have to disagree. I have to disagree because you guys keep saying that make Jacoby Brissett march 80 yards down the field. He wouldn't have had to march 80 yards down the field. He would have needed to get 40 yards roughly. Okay. Uh, you know, depending on what happens on, on the, on the, on the kick, uh, you only have to get Cade York to the 40. So I'm sure that's in Brandon Staley's mind. If you, if you had had a lesser kicker or not the booming legged kicker, maybe it changes your thinking, but I'm sure he's thinking, my God, if they start at the 20, they only need to get 40 yards. And, you know, that's not that horrible to do against this defense. I mean, it's not a very good defense. I mean, Nick Chubb peels off 40-yard runs in the fourth quarter all the time. So I don't think it is as crazy. Now, Next Gen Stats said it was a bad decision, but it it could have turned out bad the other way too so i don't know the last two times that jacoby brissett's been put in that position though against the jets and the falcons he didn't do it like he can't do it he threw picks at the end of the game 
Like he's been in that position. I, I would have zero. I would have zero worry. And they have no timeouts. So they're going to be reluctant to run it. Because last time against the Falcons, when they had that situation and, and no timeouts, they didn't run it. They did. They tried to throw, 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 throw. And he made a terrible throw. So like, that's the thing that like that guy in that spot has proven the last month that he can't do it. So that's, that's where I think you've got to play the situation there. And yes, they have defensive problems, but the Browns in that position offensively are awful. And the result was, and again, then you have to pair it with everything. It's just a slant to Mike Williams. It's like, oh, Martin Emerson's there. Whoops. Oh, well. Like, again, it I wasn't mean, like they had some great, great genius play call dialed up. So, I mean, you could get a, you could get a, a big fail. punt return. You could get a big punt return there, too. There's a lot of things that with could With this go. special teams, with Mike Pre for special teams, it's more likely they dropped the punt. Hey, they won the game. They won, they won the game. So maybe because Brandon K- Staley... Maybe he's oh. not as dumb as we think he is. But you yeah. just said you said the reason that they they should that the reason that they have to go on fourth down is because they only have to get forty yards to set up a Cade York field goal, right? And the reason they won is because Cade York missed a field goal. So like I I can't live with the well they won oh well he was right like it was I didn't say I he was he, necessarily I, I didn't say he was necessarily right I'm just saying that I don't think it is the most egregious decision that I've ever seen and I don't think it is like completely ludicrous because. They only needed to get 40 yards. They didn't have to march 80 yards down the field and score a touchdown. They just needed a field goal. <clears throat> and when you have Cade York, that had to be part of his thinking. Because Keenan Allen, his, his, one of his best players who wasn't there, thought it was nuts, which I also think is a factor here. If your players think you're nuts, then you're nuts. So I think that's part of it. They, they I, You can't live by – you can get yourself in a situation. And, again, he's gone for it on fourth down and – he did it last year, went a bunch of fourth downs against the Browns and helped them win the game. But you're going to wind up with your players feeling like we did everything to win and you took it away from us with your fourth down craziness. So I, I thought it was malfeasance. I thought it was um, in that situation with this Browns offense. What is the what is the level of faith that people have in a in a one minute Browns offense at this point, which is which is a, a part of this discussion. Right. But I think it's you know, they do have. Amari Cooper and they have David and Joku and they have Nick Chubb and they have Kareem Hunt and you can dial up the screen game sometimes. Ashley, do you think that there should be a level of faith in late game Browns offense in in a situation like that? Um, maybe. Like I genuinely don't have a yes or no answer after the last couple of weeks. And the problem, like you said, Doug, I mean, I think the problem gets to be when they don't have these timeouts. And then they are not running the ball or like Nick Chubb's not in. And people are like, where's Nick Chubb, which we saw happen last year. And Jacoby just hasn't been able to get some of this, these passes going like two straight incompletions to DPJ on second and third down. And this one today, I just, I don't know. I I guess there should be some mainly because you do have a guy like Amari Cooper. And if they will put Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt on the field and actually run the ball, then that's good and that's positive and your offensive line is still good. So I don't think it's all hopeless. Um, I think it's certainly more hopeful when Deshaun Watson gets back here, obviously. But it's just really hard, I think, like we were talking about, to kind of have faith to for Jacoby to make these throws in close games in high-pressure situations. So that's where I'm wavering a little bit. One more thing on that real quick. I, I really, I mean, Brandon Staley said this himself, so I, I don't have to try to put words in his mouth. The fact that Denzel Ward was out of the game and he was getting a matchup with Martin Emerson against Mike Williams gave him all kinds of confidence uh, that yeah. they were going to make that play. 
now MJ made a great play. Good for him. You know, that, that was terrific. But I think, I think that also loomed large. I know it did. It loomed large mm-hmm. in the decision. He said so. Okay. Another quick break. When we come back, we have to talk about this Browns defense and what the issues are and what they might be going forward. Next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug, Dan, Irie, Ashley, and Mary Kay. You can be a Browns insider. Clem.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner. So Mary Kay, last week, they couldn't stop the run. But Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett and Taven Bryan didn't play. And it was like, okay. Now Clowney and Garrett were back and they couldn't stop the run again. This was a terrible rush offense coming into this game. The Chargers had gained 76 yards on the ground, 2.5 yards per carry. 75 yards on the ground, 3.1 yards per carry. 26 yards on the ground, 2.2 yards per carry. And 81 yards on the ground, 3.0 yards per carry. Overall, first four games, 258 total rushing yards in four games, 2.74 yards per carry. They ran for 238 yards against the Browns, almost as much against the Browns as in the first month of the season combined. 7.0 yards per carry with Clowney and Garrett, even understanding Miles isn't maybe totally himself yet, Mary Kay. But that that is different, right? Then they just looked gassed last week. You could tell they didn't have their first team defensive line. This was kind of their guys. And Anthony Walker's gone for the year. Is how much of a of a potentially long-term problem might this be for the Browns if if teams can feel confident coming in that they can run it on these guys? Well, it's certainly a problem. And that's exactly what uh the the Chargers identified in the Cleveland Browns that they had issues in the run game, and they were committed to running the ball. I had a strong feeling throughout the week, and I asked a bunch of people about it. Are you, uh, do you have to be careful about not sleeping, about sleeping on the fact that they're not running the ball? I just, you kind of had a feeling that they were going to pop free. I mean, Eckler ran all over the Browns last year, and I think rushed for three touchdowns or something. Uh, So you had to know that that it was coming and that they were going to throw that at them until they could stop it. And of course, when you have a 71 yarder, um, you know, that that's going to blow up those numbers a little bit. Um, I mean, that was a, that was just like a blown defense. I mean, it was a blown run defense. Um, so yeah, that didn't help at all, but um, the, Patriots ran for a boatload of yards in their victory today, and this will not be lost on Bill Belichick when he comes into town. So they better figure out their run defense real fast. Irene, were you surprised at all? I mean, it's like Justin Herbert's Justin Herbert, but they didn't, the Browns didn't lose on Sunday because of Justin Herbert. What did you think of the idea that the Chargers, and again, Eckler had, they had not done it on the ground. What did you think of the idea that they did whatever they wanted to on the ground against the Browns? I was bamboozled, uh, especially as somebody that, you know, was showing support at least early on in the preseason before the first game of the season regarding this defensive unit that going off of PFF was top five and Joe Woods with his resume. And yet they've looked like SHIT. I have to spell it out in case the, the, the youth is listening. We can, I, I don't even think, I think the FCC is going to get us on that. I'm not sure we can spell swear words. You can spell C-R-A-P. Let's just do that. We'll spell or spell P-O-O-P. We'll just spell that. Go ahead. K-I-L-L me. But aside from that, I think that it's 
I mean, we love numbers, and I'll even give you some numbers. I know we've talked about the Chargers having the worst rushing attack coming in. We're just going specifically into the guy that killed them, Austin Eckler. This guy had 140 rushing yards up the first four games. 140. He surpassed that number through 16 carries today with 173 yards. That is despicable. There's... There's there's no other excuses regarding regarding this 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 unit and the fact that I mean even going back just real quickly to I really it was really that seventy yard that seventy one yard run that really set that tone. I mean, they're out in the four three formation there. You have uh uh I'm trying to who was that? Oh yeah, you have safeties. You know JJ three and and uh, Grant Delpit Delpit's on on the strong side. All of a sudden he finds himself in a foot race. They had too many edge rushers going in. There's that open space. Now it's just a foot race, and then we see Ward just trying to catch up to him. All of a sudden, Newsom comes about, but that set the tone for the rest of the game. He just made it look so easy when running over him to the point where Nick Chubb in his 130-something yards was a footnote. We usually go raving crazy over, over Chubb and his rush yard, but it was Eckler's game today. This was the most, this was the most yards they ever had in a game. No excuses for this rush defense. I'm done. This is despicable. Ashley, how, what are, how do we make sense of the idea that we think the Browns have a bunch of good defensive players and this is happening? It it, I, it is incongruous. I I don't know what like it's it's shocking. I know, and I don't know that they know the exact root of the problem, which is an issue. And you know, I Dan and I were talking before we started recording this, and in the preseason. I think we talked about this team in, or the off season, I should say, like when they had OTAs and people were showing up and it felt like, oh, they, they like know they're a team with something to prove, but now it almost feels like they don't feel that in a lot of ways, like that the way they're acting, like, oh, we have these guys, we should be better. Like, well, you have to go out and actually get better. And there were guys, you know, who were down for a lot of periods of time with injuries. I think that's part of it again. I think that's why the problems are very similar compared to last year, but it truly is just dumbfounding considering the pieces they have. These are guys who have had, you know, they're, they're still young, but guys like Greg Newsom, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, John Johnson three, they, they have another year in this defense and another year playing together. So when things are happening that are miscommunications or technique issues, which was the word last time or today, it looks like, you know, some guys having blown assignments or missing tackles. Like these are very basic things after every game that we are hearing are the problem. And it's like, why are these happening then? What is not clicking? Is it coming from the coaching standpoint on Joe Wood's side? Is it coming from guys not grasping the system? Is it coming from communication errors about the system? Is it coming that the system is too complicated? Like nobody seems to have an answer. And that's the most concerning part. Because again, this was the part of the team everyone thought we're not going to have to worry about because these guys know the deal and know what's going on. But I don't know. I mean, I, I keep coming back to the missed time that these guys have been, a lot of these guys have been in and out and it's not an excuse. I don't think I'm not excusing the product on the field because I'm dumbfounded a lot of the time by these mistakes. But I think, you know, we'd be remiss to kind of not acknowledge that. I think it's very, very similar to what happened with this defense last year. So, Dan, I know people don't want to have knee-jerk Joe Woods conversations, but this is year three, and the defense is not playing to its talent level, it appears. At some point, we're going to get there. And this year has been blown coverages. In the last two weeks, it's been the basics of run defense. 
are we there? Are we there saying, is it time for a new voice to get these guys on the same page, to demand more accountability, to, to change the scheme, to give them a better chance of success? Because this is a team that is built to win. And Deshaun Watson is coming back at some point this year. And this is another situation where the defense let this team down and created a situation that Jacoby Brissett couldn't live up to. It, or should we be having a serious Joe Woods conversation? I think we should be on alert. I, I'm not I'm not ready to say that we have to like have that discussion today and that Kevin should be having some tough meetings tonight in Berea. But I think we should be on alert. And and listen, I, I feel like we were doing this last year a little bit too, and then the defense turned it around and turned into a, a group that we thought coming into this season, okay, now now you're cooking here. Now you got a defense that could be a top five unit. And, and now we're kind of back to this again. So this is a very important stretch of games for Joe Woods, and it's not going to be easy because, you know, Mary Kay mentioned it. If you think Bill Belichick and Ramondre Stevenson aren't watching the tape of these last two games and just, I mean, they might drive to Cleveland tonight after they watch the tape of these two games because they want to get here so quickly. Um, if, if they come in here and run all over the Browns and then you got Baltimore and then you get, you know, Cincinnati kind of just refuses to run the ball sometimes, but they can expose some blown coverages and, and things like that. We, we've talked about how difficult this schedule can get. Oh, and then you've got Buffalo looming pretty soon too. And Josh Allen threw for like 1500 yards today. Um, this can get real ugly real fast if they don't fix this. And I think this run defense, the, I mean, Justin Herbert got whatever he wanted today. Like if they, if, if the Chargers had decided, you know what, we want to win this game by throwing for 400 yards, they would have. And he only has one receiver. But the run defense is really, really concerning right now. And I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not ready to have the, hey, you got to fire Joe Woods discussion. But I'm ready to be on alert to have that discussion if things really go south here soon. Go ahead, Mary Kay. So... I think they miss Anthony Walker Jr. more than, you know, more than we realize. He was off to a really good start. He's the green, you know, he's the green sticker guy. He calls the defensive plays, gets those guys in position. I don't, I, of course, we have to watch this game over again and look at all these runs and see what's exactly going on there. I don't think Jacob Phillips is necessarily filling the shoes of Anthony Walker Jr. yet. I think that's part of the problem. I mean, the problems are, are large right now. Um, but I, I just, I think that's one of it, uh, one of them. And I also think that, um, you know, I, I do think probably the, the fact that there are three starting defensive linemen that, that sat out last week, you know, they all climbed back in there this week. I mean, maybe they're just, you know, not a hundred percent, I know they're not 100% healthy. You can't really use that as an excuse, but I think there are problems at every level. I saw, I, re I remember seeing Taki Taki, you know, miss one tackle. Um, I can't remember which one that was, but, um, but yeah, I think it goes all the way from front to back. It's systemic and they, they really have to dig in there and get it fixed as fast as they can. And listen, Derwin James missed a tackle on Nick Chubb for the Chargers early in the game that let, Nick Chubb get out of the house for a 41 yard touchdown run. So, so, so good players misplay sometimes. 
but I don't know. It's it. I, for, I mean, anybody can jump in on this. It does feel it's a tough spot sometimes. And I, you make a great point about Anthony Walker, Mary Kate, but also like that's it. That's not going to fix itself. So no. unless you're going to trade for a new middle linebacker, like you're going to have to figure it out with the roster you have and everybody has injuries. They they should they they have talent like and and at some point, if you like the talent and you're not getting it done, what else can you do? But look at the coaches or you just dig in and think we'll get better. And like Dan was saying, well, you know, they kind of did get better last year. Like, should they just be anybody? Should they be in we'll get better mode? Is that still the smart play or should they should they be like a panic level past that? I, I I just I mean I hate to use the word panic. I mean, first of all, that's just not what they're gonna do. But like again, this I guess this kind of goes back to what I said at the top. Like you you gotta win, you've gotta win games. Like you you can't make excuses, you can't like you just have to show up and win these games. And they're not doing it. And we're in week five and they're still talking about communication and they're still talking about you know, well, we have to fix this one little thing here, this one little thing there, and then and then we'll be the defense we think we can be. And I, and I do think there's there's certainly a chance that given time, this defense could end up being very good again. It's just that's a big ask to have to do that against the teams they're about to face. And well, I don't know who's going to start a quarterback for Miami, but uh, other than that, that's a big ask for what they have coming up on the schedule. And, you know, I, I don't know you're, you're getting to a point now where it's teetering a little bit where you have to wonder how much it's even going to matter that Deshaun Watson comes back if you don't get this figured out fast. And it does. I mean, I just, when you make an investment in Deshaun Watson, like you did, it's just winning time. And that doesn't mean it's panic time and it doesn't mean it's knee jerk time, but They've decided that okay is not good enough. And so the idea that, well, you know, we did this thing, we gave him 230, and I know it's a long-term investment, but I think you, you, you have stated that you have raised the expectation level of the entire organization. And you're trying to keep yourself in the mix until that guy gets back. And, and then I think that has to at least a little bit affect how you view something like this of like, well, you know, hey, we'll get better. You know, we got better last year versus like, this is not good enough. And so I, I don't think it's knee jerk to say we have to be better. And listen, I'll tell you, Rutgers fired its offensive coordinator this weekend. If Rutgers can do it, the Cleveland Browns can do it. It's firing season, baby. I'm just kidding about Rutgers. I mean, they actually did. Nobody cares about Rutgers football, but um that it would not be completely unreasonable to me to sort of have it start entering the minds of people, right? Which is how many more weeks can you keep this up? Because Mary Kay, it's just very odd. The bottom line observation of this team is that they are playing just well enough to lose, which is an unbelievable thing that, you know, CJ McCollum, Terrific professional athlete, loyal Browns fan is like, everybody take a deep breath. We know we could be four and one. You have covered a lot of teams, Mary Kay, where it's like they can't even compete. They absolutely are competing. The only two and three team, I think, with a better uh, point differential than them is Jacksonville, right? That they have a plus point differential because they've had so many close games here. That's a weird spot to be in, Mary Kay, that everything's right there, but like 
you're you're doing exactly what you have to do to lose. And I don't you can take that either as we're very close, keep it up, it'll come around. Or I think you can take it as like there's something wrong with us and we have to do something to turn this into a winning team. I, I do think you could view it either way. Well, I know that heading into this game, that Joe Woods was nowhere near on any kind of a hot seat. There was no kind of thinking about anything uh, like that. So, you know, I don't know what, you know, what what the talk inside the building is going to be this week. Um, but again, like I said, I know going into it, it wasn't that. But I think the thing to be, you know, concerned about for, for the Browns and fans is the fact that uh, they've really only played one really good football team so far. I mean, they are just now heading into the tough part of their schedule and the meat of their schedule. And I mean, it 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 doesn't have a good vibe to it. It doesn't have a good feel to it. And that was supposed to be the walk in the cake, right? <laughs> I mean, it it's going to get tougher from here. Like Dan mentioned, I mean, Josh Allen, I mean, are you kidding me? What what he might be able to possibly do uh, to this football team? And uh, yeah, it's um, they have some soul searching that they're going to have to do. And if they have to trade for, I don't know what they're going to do to fix their run defense. I, I don't know what they can do, um, but but they have to do something. And I don't know if it's personnel. I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if it's coaching. Uh, but everybody has to dive in, and we have to. We have to dig in and figure out what it is, and they have to fix it. So can I, I also you. add, and I also add too in the Joe Woods discussion. I do think we need to also add that this team did make some decision, did make some roster decisions this year. That okay, you know, this is Jordan Elliott's year. We drafted him. We're going to throw him out there. This is his year. We're going to go get Taven Bryan to to be our other defensive tackle. Um, you know, Jacob Phillips. He. I got the sense watching in the spring and the summer, they wanted him to be their Mike linebacker. It's just Anthony Walker was better. And I, I agree with Mary Kay. I think this team really misses Anthony Walker right now. Uh, but they they kind of put themselves in some positions where they said, we're going to rely on the guys that we drafted, the guys that we brought in, and we're going to put them on the spot. In some cases, it's worked. Martin Emerson seems like he's been really good, and he made a huge play today on fourth down. Other guys, not so much. So – you know, it's not just on the defensive side, it's on the offensive side too. I think there's some areas where they kind of decided we're not going to go get somebody. We're going to use the guys that we're drafting and developing. In some cases it's worked and others it hasn't. And I do think right when you're roster building, I think skimping on the cap at linebacker and defensive tackle makes sense in the modern NFL. Pay corners, pay offensive tackles. You know, go pay JJ three as a safety pay. I, I get that, but it just so happens that maybe skimping on defensive tackles and linebackers has caused them to lose the last two games because they can't stop the run. So you, you make choices, but Dan, I think you, you make a very good point. They're also right. I mean, everybody has injuries, but Jacob Phillips Phillips has been a guy that like they've been, he's been percolating for a while. They're not playing some guy. They grabbed off the free agent scrap heap. This is like a project for them. This is an investment He's our guy, right? Jordan Elliott, he's our guy. And it's like, okay, man, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's working so far. We'll end with this. And I just want everybody to say which way they're leaning. I read, lean closer to 
keep doing what you're doing. It'll get better. Or there's something missing with this team. And of course, the thing that's missing is Deshaun Watson. But like we're talking about this 11 game stretch. There's something wrong. There's something, there's a gap here that is keeping them from winning. They don't know how to win and they need some kind of shakeup, whatever that might be. Are you closer to shakeup or are you closer to keep doing what you're doing and it'll come around? I am uh, in the middle. Actually, no. I'm going to remove myself from the middle. Shake it up a bit. Now, I'm not saying shake up players or coaches that sort, but you do have the soldiers and find that missing piece mentally, not piece within a player or within a coach or somebody to fill in that puzzle. I mean, number four is going to be back in the building, but he doesn't play for another couple months. So until then, you have to find that piece mentally as, as to say, how do we make sure we don't put ourselves in this in a situation where we're giving up, we're, we're pretty much giving away the victories. We have them in our hands. We're handing them to the other team. Here you go. Please come over and rush over me these 10 yards. Here you are. You want some more points? There you go. They have to find a way to keep away from doing that because they've been a, they're really a terrific first half team. The second half, especially the last five minutes of the game, is a different story on both sides of the ball. They have to cut that immediately. There's a difference between teams on paper that are there's a difference between teams that look good or great on paper and actual good or great teams. And I do think like shake it up could just be like, instead of practicing on Wednesday, just like show Top Gun Maverick and take a day off. I don't know. Ashley closer to shake something up or closer to keep doing what you're doing and it'll be fine. I'm kind of leaning towards not overreacting this early in the season. just given what you mentioned at the top of this, Doug, right? That, Deshaun Watson is coming back. And some of these issues have nothing to do with Jacoby Brissett, but some of them do have something to do with Jacoby Brissett and his ability, especially late in close games. But I just think it's really hard when you don't have your franchise quarterback with you. And it would be really easy to make some kind of reactionary decision in terms of your staff or personnel, whatever. Um, So I'm still kind of leaning on the more conservative side here, I guess. And that's like the best answer I can give. I'm actually going to ask everybody one more question at the end. But Dan, first, which way you lean? Shake it up some way or keep doing what you're doing? I, I think you have to shake it up a little, not in the like, hey, we, you know, you got to start firing people way. But, you know, they, they've got to cook something up. They've got to come up with some way. And, and against New England, they probably can because that's not exactly a dynamic passing game. So this is kind of the week, like, hey, let's shake things up and really make sure that they're not going to be able to run the ball on us. So, I, you know, shake it up a little. We're not have, telling people to get boxes and pack up their offices and get out of Berea. But just, you know, a, a little shake up here or there just to kind of get right against the Patriots before you get into, to, you know, those those two big division games. Bailey Zappi, who I once put into a Browns mock draft as a potential third rounder (laughs) for the Browns, 17 of 21 for 188 for the Patriots uh, on Sunday in a 29-0 win over the Lions. Mary Kay, if you had to lean, keep doing what you're doing or shake it up a little bit? Well, you know, as I listen to everybody talk about maybe shake it up, I don't know what the definition of that is. I don't know what everybody Mary Kay, I said show Top Gun Maverick at practice. (laughs) No? You have that. That's in your many years covering the NFL. That doesn't seem to work. No, but you're right. You're right. 
Yeah. So I, I really don't understand. I, I really don't know where everybody is going with the, the, like the little mini shakeup. Um, certainly they have, they've got to dig in and dissect and go through this film and have hard discussions this week. And I think they probably need some personnel shaking up is what I think. I think they need to look at what's going on. Maybe they don't have the right green sticker guy. Maybe, maybe they need to go find another couple of linebackers or something. I, I don't know. Hey, it's Doug interjecting before we could even get this podcast out to you. Mary Kay was on it. The Browns have traded for a linebacker. It's Deion Jones from Atlanta. He is in his seventh year in the league, former second round pick, a one-time pro bowler in 2017. 2019, 2020, 2021 started all 16 games each of those years for the Atlanta Falcons. Well over 100 tackles each of those years. Uh, looks like he's coming in. He's been on injured reserve this year, but he is certainly going to make an impact in the linebacker room for the Browns and probably slide right into that spot where Anthony Walker Jr. is out for the year. Now back to the end of the podcast. So I, I guess that would be my definition of shaking it up a little bit is reevaluating the personnel that they have trying to stop the run and seeing how they can upgrade. Would Ndamukong Sue be a shakeup defensive tackle? Yeah, that'd be a shakeup, but I, I, I just, I don't think they want to upset the, the apple cart that much with, with someone like that, you know, I, I don't know. Right now I'm not feeling that. I, okay. Last real thing. Quick, real quick, yes. real, real, real quick before, before you ask the last question, I think, I think we were all missing regarding our definition of shakeup or what they should really do to shake up. Just activate Mike Harley already. I mean, come on now. Mm. I think that that's like the obvious. Come on. What are, what are we waiting on? <laughs> Who is on? that again? Who exactly. is that person? Better than Anthony um, Schwartz. That's all you got to know. So uh, I'll finish with this. Ashley, if Deshaun Watson was the Browns quarterback from week one, would they be 5-0 and right now? Uh, it's possible. I mean, these losses have been close. And you think if you have Deshaun Watson late in a game, that obviously totally changes compared to Jacoby Brissett late in a game when he's thrown these late picks. So I think it's definitely possible. It's hard to completely know everything that would change in those games, right? But they would have a really good chance to be, I think, based on the results that we've seen. Dan, 5-0 and with Deshaun? No, but they'd be close. They'd be like 4-1. and one. Or like, you know, I just, I just think going five and zero is really hard. Um, so that that's the only reason I say no. Uh, but I will say, God, I hate this idea of like this this team is just waiting around for Deshaun to come save them. And and I I just hope that that's not what I hope that's not what they're doing. Not that I necessarily think it is, but like, you know, I. I, I you're not going to make the playoffs if you're kind of just sitting around waiting for Deshaun to come save you. But to answer your question, I don't think they'd be five and zero necessarily, but they they'd probably be atop the AFC North and one of the best teams in the AFC right now. Irie five and zero with Deshaun. I I I think they would be one fifty five away from being five and zero, and they would just blow it just like they did a couple weeks ago. It's just no, I'm just playing. I think that they would be four and one. I think that I still have just had to give them that one game drop just from what we've seen without him to the point where thinking no way that they go five and zero even with Watson. So I I agree on that with him being close, but ending up at four and one through the first five games. Mary Kay five and zero with Sean. I'm gonna go five and zero. I mean. 
I think Deshaun Watson, you know, beats the Panthers, beats Joe Flacco in the Jets, um, you know, beats the the Falcons with Marcus Mariota. And then today, um, you know, the difference was, you know, the the ultimate difference, I think, was uh, the pick into the end zone at the end of the game. I don't think he's throwing that. So I'm going to go I'm going to go five and oh, I think he could have beat Justin Herbert and the Chargers at home. And then if that's the case, and you guys are all close to that, if not 5-0, and if that's the case, Mary Kay, should that matter? Is that some point for, you know what? They're playing their backup quarterback. Do your best to tread water for 11 games, but like you have this roster that's ready to win when you have a franchise quarterback. And even if it's not this year, it's going to be down the line. Everybody chill. This is a weird 11 games. Everybody relax. This is not really who they are. Is that is that something that that people should be holding on to? I mean, people can hold on to that. Um, but I do think that they had enough talent. And maybe we're wrong about that. Maybe we have overestimated the defensive talent. Um, but I think they have enough talent on this football team that they should have been able to find a way to stay in the hunt until Deshaun got back. So I, I'm not giving everybody a pass on that. Okay. Good talk, I, everybody. Good talk. Yeah, Good I, talk. I agree. I just I I don't want to make excuses for this team. They're they're built they're built to win. They knew Deshaun Watson wouldn't be here. But I just I, I don't think we should make excuses like that for this organization or team. Bunch of stuff at Cleveland.com slash Browns. These guys are cranking out the coverage after every Browns game and then during the week. You would not I mean, you would believe a lot of you out there are working your butts off too. These guys grind, man. Football season, they are on it all the time. Great coverage, great talk. Make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. If you're an insider, you get text, you get extra stuff. This is, at the very least, an intriguing team, and you kind of want to see what's going to happen next with these guys. Browns 2 and 3, Patriots next week for now. For Irie Harris, for Ashley Bastock, for Dan Lobby, and Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. <laughs>